Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 585. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Grow Flowers. Farm Grow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign, where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. Well, I've got a special show for you today, and it's all looking back at the past decade when The 50 Mile Bouquet was published in 2012. It was the first book to spotlight a major cultural shift and a transformation around how cut flowers are grown, designed, and consumed, closely mirroring the culinary world's locavore and slow food revolution. One decade ago, the floral industry was just beginning to ask for changes, seeking alternatives to imported, mass-produced, and chemically-laden flowers. The 50 Mob Bouquet introduced some of the innovative voices of the dynamic new slow flowers movement, the organic flower farmers, the sustainably-minded floral designers, and the floral enthusiasts who were increasingly asking where and how were my flowers grown and who grew them. Today's guests involved me in their story their flowers, and the renaissance of floral agriculture in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. I learned so much from them while interviewing and writing about the farms and design studios of Slow Flowers practitioners, even before I began to use the phrase Slow Flowers. Let's jump right in and meet Diane Sukavati and Dennis Westfall, co-founders of Jello Mold Farm in Mount Vernon, Washington, and part of the group that established the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market in 2011. They are both past guests of the Slow Flowers podcast, and I consider them sustainability leaders and pioneers of the Slow Flowers movement. Let's jump right in and get started. I'm so happy to be here with Diane Sukavati and Dennis Westfall of Jello Mold Farm. Thank you for letting me come see you guys today. Hey, no problem. <laughs> this is uh, part of our uh, 10-year ret- retrospective of the 50 Mile Bouquet. And Diane, for, because of that beautiful photo, you became the cover girl of the 50 Mile Bouquet. <laughs> I mean, I can't take any credit. It was the art director's choice, right? Everybody. And there's no bikini. Hold it up. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> got to have their 15 minutes of cover, girl, don't you think? Okay, you got it. Diane, tell us a story about that photo because you had a comment about it. When was it? It was taken in like 2010 or so? Somewhere around 2010. And we, like lots of people have before us and many more after us, decided we'd jump off 
into the lake and start a flower farm, right, Dennis? So we're growing all these flowers and doing a good job of growing flowers, but nobody's flower farm should look like this unless you're inviting visitors to come see your park-like setting. But to be production farmers, you don't really want your farm to look it's like, like blue. A, yeah. a botanical garden. <laughs> exactly. I know. Everybody wants to come and visit the beautiful flower yeah, farm. But, I mean, but it's like, well, you know, there's not going to be many flowers you're going to be seeing. So so that was actually, what you're looking at is kind of a problem that needed solving. <laughs> <laughs> and let Dennis open the page to where he oh, is. Oh, here we go. Is that go similar? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, oh. That, so, yeah. So this is me. This is my, this is me on a poster. You know. And that's what we were, that's, this is what we, where we got the term farm porn. Farm porn for farm, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, if I, if we would have thought about real farm porn, I wouldn't have anything on. And you've had photos, Dennis, yes. um, in Mr. at Mr. Dot Mold uh, yeah. on Instagram that, not completely naked, but. Yeah. He's. Yes. You've been in bathtubs. He's, yes. Let's just say, let's just say that he's, um. He's not, he's not, it doesn't take too much coercion to get him to drop him. <laughs> well, see, the, pro <laughs> the problem is, is that there's a very small window of time here where, I mean, I, I, I'm out there naked in the, in the fields every year, but the window of time is usually by the time it gets warm enough till when the mosquitoes hit, it's very okay, short. So I'm just wondering how, so, within five minutes, you managed to change this to naked farming. I, I, I'm just wondering that. I mean, well, Diane, you, she you brought said, it up. She did. Diane said porn. She said, <laughs> oh, porn. You did. That's, that's right. That's always how we roll, actually. Oh. That is exactly feed up. Oh, that is exactly goodness. how it goes. Well, when, we, when I asked you if we could do this, we just started had a wonderful lunch together, and we started talking about all the changes in the last 10 years, um, and, you know, in the, in the case of that photo, it's been 12 years, but the 50 Mile Bouquet came out in 2012. And um, can one of you or both of you talk about that arc of a decade? Like what, what was Jell-O Mold in 2012? And what is Jell-O Mold oh, you can in 2022? <laughs> see, let's see what kind of hole you can well. take. <laughs> and then you, and well, one of you can correct each other. Yeah. For, first of all, I, we didn't real. I don't think we realized exactly what we were starting to be. I mean, when we bought this place, it just kind of fell out of the sky. And, and we thought, well, we'll grow some food. We can maybe grow food. So the first thing we did is, is planted a big old orchard. And, and did we do vegetables too, too then? And, and berries and blueberries and raspberries. And uh, anyways. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was a pea patch out of control. Yeah. You, you grew more than you two could consume. Very much. Well, so. and and so the thought was, well, well, we'll we'll grow food to make a living, but well, we found out very quickly that there's no way we're going to be paying the bills trying to sell at the at the local farmers markets. Um, but so the background, and Diane had her background in horticulture at the landscaping company, and I'd been working with her. So, well, why don't we just translate that and grow things that we already know here on the farm? Ornamentals. And yeah. 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 Um, Dennis, when you moved here and you said that this property in Skagit Valley fell out of the sky prior to this, you were living in Seattle, right? Yeah. Okay. That and was, you, you were an artist. You're an artist and musician. You both, yeah. Diane's an artist. Yeah. Yeah. So radical pivot uh -huh. to uh, 
living, you know, living the life of a flower farmer, but it was an evolution, right? Yeah, we made, we, we lived both places. We kept a place in Seattle and, and then as we were building this place. So for probably, I don't know what, two or three years, we probably maintained a Seattle place as okay. we were getting this up and going. And, um, you know, I mean, for me, it's like, I, well, it's a good example of not knowing what you're getting into because starting a flower farm in your fifties is, I would not recommend it. <laughs> even, even if you're Dennis? <laughs> well, I mean, because I'm Dennis, I was able to pull it off. Yeah. 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 I think I'm, I'm, I'm 10 years younger than Dennis. So, um, but still, I think what happened was we, at the point that the 50 mile bouquet um, came into being, we had figured out that we wanted to be flower farmers and we had planted a lot of things and we had, we had a, developed a network of florists that we could sell to doing what they call a bucket truck, which, you know, driving around and just, but you could only go to so many, I mean, but that story is probably in the 50 mile book. It is. In fact, to I'm going to show you the photo because the photo of you uh, with Melissa Fevier oh, oh, yeah. is opening one of the chapters where Diane, you're, you're right here with the truck. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was your that's, oh, yeah. that's exactly what that's we were it. doing. But you could only stop at maybe 10 shops. 10 to 12 yeah. stops in a day. Yeah. yeah, and they might, you know, you'd, you'd have some orders, but then they might, you'd have some open stock on the truck. It wasn't very efficient. It wasn't going to make us a living. So even though we figured out we could really do a good job of growing things and there was a demand, you know, so that, that so we you were doing, doing that place about you, 50 Mile Cave. You we were, were doing that plus some farmer's markets. Yeah, plus selling in some farmer's markets. Which plus still doing landscaping in yeah, Seattle. Yeah, because we couldn't sustain our living. Your landscaping, our your landscape just, uh, uh, work was subsidizing the flower farm. Right, yeah. and helping us get it going, which yeah. is not a bad model, actually, because I don't then, know how yeah, else we would have started. Yeah, and then plus I still do music then, too. Right. Yeah. I think we're just, we're creatives. Yeah. So we approached this problem like creatives would, which yeah. is like, okay, um... What's the, what, how do we, we, we kind of hit an obstacle. How do we um, change our game to, to be able, because we had this mission, the real mission under the mission under the mission was um, we want to live outside the city. We both wanted to live on a piece of land. We both grew up on pieces of land and we weren't all that comfortable with the hubbub of the city, I would say. Wouldn't you agree with that? Mm -hmm. And so we're like, I read this Wendell Berry essay, like something, agronomy and economy, or one of those, he has a whole series of them. Mm -hmm. Well, one of them I was reading, was just this idea like I really wanted to be a land steward that was I think we both we just wrote our values up we were having a little revisiting we, we independently wrote our values up and then looked at them and they totally overlap we're like okay well we're I guess we can stay married <laughs> but it was also after like, all this time but it really came yeah. on strong now and it was definitely then it's just like we care about this planet we care about ecology and we see um ourselves as part of the human stewardship of ecology yeah. and, help, and helping with the problem solving um, some of the things that the planet is facing as best we can, you know? So that was like, you can't live on a piece of ground if you can't make a living on it. Like that was the whole idea of this essay was like, okay, you got to figure out a way to live on it, to be able to, to make a living on it, to be able to stay on it. So that's how we yeah. kind of got into this. That's wonderful. And the whole thing is of trying to solve that problem. <laughs> As creatives. <laughs> I also remember there's a quote from you in the 50 Mile Bouquet where you talk something, I'm paraphrasing, but something about, you know, we want the land to feed us and all the critters who are here too. Right. You use the word critter. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. you're organic. That's a, yeah. And well, and that's a, that's a lasting theme. We don't I, don't, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you're on the same page. I don't actually think that humans are some separate part of the planet. We're actually 
the same as all, we are made of the same thing as all the other creatures and yeah. we probably could do better to learn to converse just, with them more. We're just a little yeah. more evolved species of parasite. <laughs> now, <Right>? yeah. <sighs> so I love when he just grabs a royal wee and runs, you know. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I, I was it. talking about humanity. Okay, let me just state for anyone who happens to be watching this that what he says, I may or may not agree with what he says. <laughs> we'll have to kind of like have like a little, um, a little, uh, like ticker tape across the bottom of this saying, and please disregard yeah. <laughs> what Dennis just said. <laughs> uh, well, well, one of the things that that you mentioned, Diane, about how that the photo on the fifty mile bouquet, which was taken by David Perry, which is like so luscious and abundant and of, of the moment, peak of season, you're, you know, with Stacy and, and it's a conversation between a florist and a flower farmer. And that's what appealed, I think, to, um, to uh, Jimmy, I think, uh, did the design. Um, Jimmy Forkner was our designer um, to select that because it is a conversation. And I feel like you guys <clears throat> early on got that, that you can grow all this stuff, but you have to develop a market and have a relationship with your customers. Yeah. And that's sort of been the th through line for actually, everything you've done. Actually, it's kind of funny. You just sparked a memory in my mind. Stacy absolutely hated German iris. And in this photo, I'm actually going, Stacy, look at this gorgeous German iris. And she's like, I'm, I'm flipping her a bunch of crap is basically what I'm doing in this photo. <laughs> Which is hilarious because she was a phenomenal designer and she had her, you know, very strong opinions about some things. And so we had a, developed enough of a relationship where we were, you know, like laughing about things like that. And so that that was actually a little subtext. I to love that. Picture. that. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what? You do that all the time because you, you're such experimental growers. You introduced crops to the Seattle Floral Design Marketplace. Yeah. Maybe not single handedly, but like you were out there in front with certain crops, I would say thornless raspberry and thornless blackberry would be your signature uh win right well i mean yeah we Definitely. did we did we did introduce some things we also percolated other things i think i think like the we growers spark off of each other mm -hmm. you know like oh, what about that and we like kind of feed each other that way yeah. kind of like maybe how other people like get into fashion or something we get into that with plants you yeah know, like. yeah so yeah it definitely but definitely that's definitely I think our creative energy or we'll, is we'll, we'll, we'll see something suited. growing out there that is growing not not for one reason, but we'll say, hey, I want to, what is that, what is that going to be like in the vase? Mm -hmm. So we'll just, we'll just experiment and we'll, we'll do vase test and, and, and uh, uh, longevity and different, different solutions and see, is this going to be a cool cut? And we've come up with some really I, fun I, things to introduce that, people had not uh, you know, used. You know what you make me think about? You You were the one who um, first saw snowberry foliage. Yeah. Like we had Hancock snowberry growing because we're like, oh, excited because it's a late crop for us and you can pick it before, like between Thanksgiving and Christmas and it's got this beautiful um, kind of cranberry berry. That's kind of really the color of your, of your sofa. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. It's a beautiful crop, but we weren't selling as much of it as we had. It was like, because it's such a narrow window and our customers are buying a lot more in the summer and all that. And so we had a lot of it sitting out there and, and Dennis goes, he, about the third time you told me you thought that foliage had some potential, I listened to you. And then we, he did exactly what he said, and, and it turned out, we, what we did is we went down like Candyman to the market, and we, the co-op market, and we we made little bunchlets and handed them out for free. To, like, yeah, we just, <laughs> yeah, we just, free. Like dealers. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, after the vase test. We, I mean, yeah. first we vase yeah. test yeah. to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is without the berries. This is earlier. This in the is season. just the foliage. The foliage is really starting from yeah, starting early summer, and to, I mean, it it's turned out to be one of the best foliage crops around, and it's got it, it's invincible, and it holds up in the heat, and it and I it kind of I don't really know what the vase life is because. After three weeks, it looks like you just picked it. So I said, "Forget it. I'm not. I'm not watching this anymore. I'm, it's good." So it, the, cult of, the the botanical name is Symphoricarpus. Yeah, and Sh- then Chenaltii Hancock. Okay, say it again slower because people are going to want to know this. Symphoricarpus Chenaltii C H E N A U L T I I, and then Hancock. Okay, and it's not like any other snowberry no. I've ever seen. No. no, it's tinier berry. Clusters like on, on up, clusters. like up up and down the stems, mm-hmm. yeah. But the foliage is like it's very it's very little leaflets up the branch that are I think they're leaflets. They may be leaves. I don't they're, know. We're not yeah. that botanically accurate, yeah. but but it's they're they're, they're velvety in their, their texture, yeah, the, and they have yeah. this little blush. On, he has a Dennis. Has, you, well, we both have our they're own. They're petable. Pretty, it's a petable. Yeah, foliage. I just. It's, an instinct. it's also an instinct for knowing what are our, the designers are amazingly creative and they're also, their attention, like, you're always, what's new, what's new, what's new. And they're, they just want a variety. They want things to choose from to be able to articulate their vision. And, and some things just, they just take to as a staple. And yeah. That was an example. Of that's a great yeah. example. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Like, it's a woody crop, so it takes a while to get it. Like, how many plants do you have? You have rows and rows. As yeah, it grows in thickets, so it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's crazy. kind of... It kind of turns into one giant plant. <laughs> yeah, 100 <laughs> like, feet long. <laughs> yeah, 100 feet by 8 <laughs> feet wide. <laughs> okay, so... You know, I would say we have about... Um, eight beds that are 80 feet by 6 feet. Wow. It's a lot. Of okay. That's just one crop here at Jell Mold. But Jell Mold has had a... Uh, phases of of crops that have taken up a lot of your energy and then you make decisions back to that artist uh, problem solving thing like oh, we might love this but we it's not profitable or we want to sustain ourselves with more profitable crops so there's some babies you, you know some darlings you've had to kill well we have yes indeed even even maybe children <laughs> okay <laughs> just before puberty yeah. <laughs> no, but I have to say this really sparked something in me because the whole this theme of creative energy is really at the heart of everything that we do together, I think, and this farm, right? And so it's like I remember, you know, I really hated math in high school. I hated math. Of and course I, you hated math. I think a artist. lot of people me hated too. math. You know? And it's like but it's so interesting because I got really pretty damn good at certain aspects of math when it had to do with being able to stay here. Yeah. It got really kind of like creative about figuring out how to do crop costing and stuff. Like, but it wasn't like that was my like joy in life. It was just like, oh, that's part of this path. We're doing it. We're doing it a hundred percent. You know. Well, so that's that's part of why we learned how to kill our children. Yes, math. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, going back to the beginning, before you started the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market with the, this co- cohort of of you two and a few other amazing people, um, which was. 2010, 2011, um, there was that flower school, flower farming school oh, that yeah. uh, was held up here in Snohomish. Or up we were in, in the uh, middle Skagen. of that, actually. Yeah. Did you yeah. know that? What's we that? Were, we were at the heart of that. Did you yes. know that? Yeah. Well, 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 I remember you, I remember you, ta- someone came in and taught 
crop costing and price of goods sold and all. Like it was very early thinking for this, yeah. you know, Pacific Northwest flower farming community. Well, it just felt to me like, I don't know, to me it felt like that, um, the, that this, I mean, I don't want to put a uh, point a finger at anybody, but it just felt like a very lost opportunity for, for a business, people to make a living, a good living. It just felt to me like it was like the like it was enchanted and frozen, you know, like time forgot that this was a way people could actually make a living. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't there was no there was not really any there's a lot of stuff that just wasn't available, especially in terms of like the idea of envisioning that it doesn't have to be this like little side hobby or this thing that you have to suffer and be very poor and do or that you could actually straight up, especially in the climate that we're in grow things and then and then have people want to buy them yeah. and make a living yeah. doing it and maybe even put your kids through college doing it or like yeah. just think like you know just a good middle class living you know just redefining yeah. what that yeah. means I was to be a farmer passionate about that you I are like, you probably well, feel like that still you know most people that are growing they they you know it's the whole romance they want to start they want to grow flowers and have all these pretty things and have people fall in love with them and buy them they don't want to take time like you did to like gruel over the how much time it takes to do the seeding how much time it takes to do the you are know you, how much you, how many plants per okay, row darling, how, i have to stop you are you putting yourself into the category of they i mean probably <laughs> me thanks for your appreciation you're the i mean <laughs> not kidding you did i mean you i mean it was i mean i saw how much time it, yeah. it, it took Going into all that, doing vase tests and seeing, okay, well, and, and all those trials and trying that. to figure out, Here's okay, is this worth the effort and the time and then the labor it takes? Okay, if we if we have a hundred yeah. foot row, how much labor is that going to do? We have to pay right. out to get that but, to market. Okay, so the secret about that. Two, the, I'm sorry, did you say we'll finish what you're saying? You sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me interrupt you then. <laughs> no, it's just that. I don't do that now. Yeah. I just had to figure out the game. You know, I'm creative and yeah. I'm figuring out, okay, how do we even get this, this ship sailing in the right sea? You know, like, yeah. like, and, and to me it was, um, the vision, the possibility that it didn't, you know, like what it could be. Right. That was what drove that, all those experiments and exercises and all that learning was just that, uh, I, I could just see big. And I think that, I think, Creative people—that's how they—they—they they, they, they make something out of nothing, or you know, like they—they—they they, they create something that wasn't there before. That's yeah. kind of the impulse, you know. Yeah, that's the visionary, and um, that's what drove the formation of the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. That's right? what I was just gonna say. That kind of happens simultaneously. It's like, sure, you could grow stuff. That's anybody can produce or grow something, but the real work comes in. Okay where where's it going to go to who who's going to buy this and how is it going to generate that money and you know and you know, i mean it's kind of i think maybe a little out of spite for for or or well maybe yeah maybe that is the right word going to the wholesalers and saying hey we got this great stuff you want to buy it and and they say well sorry we don't you know we're we maybe we're not that interested yeah so, right. so we said, fine, we'll just start our own market. I mean, that was the reality. That's what, exactly what happened. I've, I've heard that story from many of you. Yeah. Like you were, or you were getting nickel and dimed. Yeah. Um, and not yeah. have the value placed on this amazing local fresh 
hyper local seasonal product. So in a way, we have the other wholesale uh, uh, grow or the wholesale distributors to thank for the market being created. Well, there's, I mean, there's the other thing is pain is a very good teacher. I mean, I don't enjoy pain if I don't have. I mean, I, I'm not going to dodge it if it's got something good to mine out of it, but right. I'm not looking for it, you right. know. And um, I don't know this farmer. I mean, I'm a farmer in my bones, and I was like, I cannot stand a pretty compost pile. I mean, I want a compost pile, but I want it to be like not the stuff that I could be selling, right? Right. right. And so you're leaving money away on the table. your products. I think the, those those couple of years of farmers markets, oh, or no. the pain of that actually re recycled that pain into um, inertia <laughs> to create the market. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's that. Also, to be to be fair to the whole wholesaler world, I would say that a farm is like our farm is. We're farming five acres. Yeah. A farm like ours is not scaled to be able to really effectively sell to wholesale because they don't need us bad enough to keep us alive when they don't want what we've got. If we were 20 acres or 30 acres and really nailing it, then they would buy from us because they would need the relationship. You know what I mean? So it's a matter of scale. But don't you, know? you think that's changed now in the in the landscape of a wholesale, a conventional wholesale, that there are some wholesalers who are realizing that they need relationships with even small-scale farmers because their customers are asking for that product. You know, yeah. yes, and I think Slow Flowers has done a lot to help with that. I still, as a grower, feel a lot more secure owning my own wholesale house than, than relying on the yeah. nice people over at the wholesale house I don't own to keep buying from me. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. That I have to say. And That's that, the, I agree completely, and that is um, the pioneering beauty of the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market because you guys took the risk and had the pain and, you know, <laughs> went without sleep for many, many years. Yeah. But now others can look at the model and say, there's, maybe we'll do it slightly different, but there's a way to come together yeah. collectively to yeah. make, make a, a new market or create a new yeah enterprise in our our region first they just have to find a diane that will be a part wanting to be willing to nonsense and then they have to find a dennis who can be the mayor <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. now that now that's true i do like having that role even though i have zero power Okay, yeah, uh, but, but you're the figurehead but, mayor that's okay you know i i you can liken me to the the greeter at home depot Okay, I think you're a little maybe, maybe a, little a little more, more than that. A little more invested than the <laughs> Yeah, and, and usually with his clothes on, we hope. <laughs> Dennis, just let's just pause for a moment and celebrate you. <laughs> yeah, wasn't this about Dennis? We yes. Uh, Dennis, <laughs> I thought that's what this day was supposed to be about. It was. Well, what happens on Wednesdays at during the season at the Seattle Hustle Market? What give happens? Us, give us some of the, like when do you get out of bed and get in the car and when do you arrive and like what happens. Because it's okay. early. It's an early day for you. Yeah. My day usually starts about three in the morning. And we all the product and everything is prepped and cut and loaded onto the truck the night before. Okay. So that I can just get up, go out, start the truck and get to the market. I need to be at the market. Usually, I usually am there between 4.30 and 5. And then, you've got a lot to unload. And then, because we got it. So... First thing that happens is all the all the sold orders get delivered back to the to the staff so they can start getting all the orders because we open at six in the morning. So uh, sold orders get off the truck first, and then I set up all the all of our our display of all the floor stock at six o'clock. Now normally 
my, I, I used to be, that was my only mayoral uh, duty was as I got to allow the people to come in at opening time and I had a bell that I would taunt them. I would stand at the door <laughs> holding my bell. But it was because the, there was like crowds trying to get in, right? Yeah, there, were, there, was, there was always like, yeah, they're like waiting out there, you know, waiting to just rush in. So I would just wait at the door with my bell and they couldn't come in until I rang it. Okay. And, and so then, uh, but my bell broke. So okay. I, I don't have a bill. Nobody anymore. got him another one. We need a new one for 2023. But so, you, you failed so, to mention one important thing. What's that? Your wardrobe. Before, when you get out of bed, well, you still have to plan your wardrobe for the day, right? Well, it's not planned. It's just I have, I have a very large collection of floral and Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. So I have enough shirts starting from probably mid-April till now every week i have a different flower shirt for from april till november what no repeats no repeats okay we have to thank glenn nakata because glenn who passed away last year he was our good friend out the market and he used to deliver for town and country markets and glenn donated quite a few of his surplus hawaiian shirts to dennis one day which was a huge yeah. honor yeah. so that's part of why dennis has so many oh that's so yes. special yes. Yeah. 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 very special yeah. so i yeah so i have it i have it and they and they range from really wild wild so i i i have it arranged kind of in the closet when i start <laughs> So that the, the spring wild colors start off through the summer. And then as we get into fall, and as we get into the fall, then I start wearing the more, the subdued fall oh, Hawaiian funny. shirts through till now. What Has so. there been a series of photos on somebody's Instagram feed? Because that would be a really fun calendar. Um, you know, the closest thing to that might be... Um, uh, Jessica with Odd Flowers. Yes. When she was working at the market a couple seasons, I think she was she was taking photos almost every week. I remember that. Uh, yeah. So that would probably be the closest okay. for that. So, so so then when the market opens, <laughs> the people flood in, and it's just it, you know it's actually this last while it's really kind of changed. It used to be this crushing wild frenzy and sometimes it still is that but uh the customers have learned that it's too it's too insane yeah and they don't want to deal because then they have to wait in line yes so and we've and that's that's been one of the downsides that we've been really working on and getting more sale uh, sales stations open and things like that um but uh uh so, so customers are shopping on different days, and it's kind of it's been mellower a little lately, except for some really the big months of of uh, summer. The it's big still, wedding weeks. Yeah, it's yeah. still it's still that way. So basically, for me, uh, this like this last couple of years with COVID, and it's been so incredibly busy down there that um, I'm just basically a madman running, racing, just trying to help the customers get their orders bringing in carts, get them, getting them loaded up off the dock so they can get out of there. So the next one's going to come in and I'm, and I'm literally just, I, and I, I keep my, my little, uh, my iPhone with its, uh, what is it? Pedometer on it. I mean, I'll clock like seven miles on the floor within about a three to four hour period, oh just going back and forth, yeah. dealing with, with product and customers. 
But all of that is because of relationships. Yes. The market and is in, a yeah. hub for relationships. And in right? between, and in between, I'm 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 my I'm head of schmoozing. Yeah. But it's yeah. also can I jump in? Or yes. Is it still Dennis's? No. <laughs> no. no, we we've got a picture of Dennis and well, and the, the shirt. And all the farmers are welcome to be down there, and and I sometimes go down there. But it's an interesting thing, you know. Not everybody who is on a farm is an introvert, so Dennis gets. Or an extrovert. Yeah, I mean, so mean he's, he, well, I'm an introvert. Most yeah. farmers are introverts. Mm. Yeah. Dennis, some of them are not. Yeah. yeah. And so then it's like, you know, part of the way of keeping Dennis happy on the farm is he has, you know, 100 best friends that he can go see every Wednesday, you know, and he really means it and it's heartful connecting and it's like, so it's, yeah. he helps sell everybody's product in the market. He helps all the customers be happy and he gets his social needs also met, which makes me happy. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes I get I I do say that I take bribes. So it's like I I'll take like either good chocolate or beer, good beers, and so customers will bring me treats. You mean like during a season when there's a a, a shortage of white dahlias, that Maybe. sort of thing? Okay. I but I there's never any promises. You know, you know, we're, I, getting, we're getting into some murky country like, here now. I but think. you know, but I'll, I'll you know there there there'll be times where all of a sudden I'll, I'll come down and there'll be a, like a package of cookies for me. Or, but you know, there's more. Or, you know, this is this is your line. This is what you say. But what I've seen going on down there is that you know all the names of all the kids of our customers. I mean, genuinely yeah. know it. The kids beg their parents sometimes to come to market really early in the morning so they can see Dennis. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. really cool connecting that's genuine going on there. And that sort of defines the market. It's not just Dennis. It's a community down there. Yeah. It's really, a, yeah. a, it's, it's real relationships. I agree. And it's, and it's, and everybody, it's the how that, it's kind of magical, but it's how community works. Everybody's got a spot they can plug in at, you know, and it's yeah. like, we all kind of complement each other, you know? So my hair sticking up to talking about it actually, because it's really cool. And the, our customers, we're done. We're talking about the customers, and Dennis has got them all online, giving trouble and everything. I want to stop and rave about our customers, and I think that must be all across the country. But who are these beautiful people who all decide they're going to buy local and keep us in business? And and thank you. I mean, thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel it all the time. It, it yeah. really feels good to be supported by our. I mean, it feels reciprocal. And, and I do come to the market. I'm not. Dennis is not the only one who hangs out at the market. Yes, he just does it more regularly. Yes. Um, I mean, and other farmers do too. Yes. And it's like it's really. Um, it's the I don't know. It's, I gotta say that really is ten years from starting the market, or twelve. I guess we're twelve years now. That's incredible. Every to go down there and see that is just like, oh, that was well. To, that that was well spent agony. You know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, we we created a, a, a really incredible community there. Yeah. And everybody comes, and they and it's a you know this is a small town. You know, Seattle is not that big of a town or or the region, and they all know each other. So they're all down there. I mean, I people people have mentioned to me a few times says you know you guys should open up a little side like there should be a little cafe coffee shop right here so because they can just come and hang out and visit and catch up and yeah. oh what's and you know and I go wow that's a great idea but you know not, not, not me not, I'm not going to start a <laughs> that's <business>. another another <laughs> kind of hub like it is a hub and it is it goes back to what I was saying about the cover of the 50 mile bouquet like when farmers and florists come together magic happens and prior to the, it, not exclusively, but it seems like prior to the growers market, Seattle Wholesale Growers Market's opening, there weren't a lot of opportunities for florists to interact with farmers, unless mm -hmm. it was the Jell-O Mold bucket truck that was going to 12 different florists and that yeah. was it. Yeah. But like this, this community, I mean, I, w I witnessed it. I was there on day one. I witnessed that emergence of 
um, this appreciation for how much we need each other. Yeah. How much yeah. florists need farmers and how much farmers need florists. And that's a beautiful thing. Well, what, what I, I always like, I think, was it you that coined the, coined the phrase that we grow art supplies? Yeah. for all these amazing artists yeah. so i mean i love every time we come up with something new i love i i get actually excited when i get to bring for the first time some really cool new thing that's gonna and that i get to disperse to all these artists that are gonna go and make all these other really cool things with and, and i've always i've learned that flower farmers are artists you two of course are but anyone who's growing such a beautiful botanical ingredient yeah for another form of art yeah. It's got to be equal to that artist. So, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, well, we we I don't want to keep you all day. We could talk forever because we barely could start this interview. Um, <laughs> but I do want to talk about what's changed for Jello Mold Farm because one of you at lunchtime said, kind of redefine what Jello Mold is, and it, you said I think Diane maybe said foliage and texture. Dennis said we're leaf. We're not flower farmers anymore. We're leaf farmers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's foliage and textures. I think yeah. is the dominant. It, the flowers are still there, but it's that's definitely evolved into that. And is that because you've? I mean, obviously you grow what sells, but you've seen there's an insatiable demand for beautiful yeah. woody elements. Well, pro probably a couple of reasons is is that you know, florists there they prior to a lot of the things we brought, it's been salal and eucalyptus and the, the, whatever the fullest things from California. And there's, there was not a whole lot of choices. And so we just started bringing all these different things, which was, they're going, well, wow. I, I just remember in the early years when we first opened the market, they were, please, can you bring us some different greens? You know, yeah. it takes a while to get those crops established. So we were yeah. like, we heard them, but five years later, we show up with them, you know, in volume, you know. But that's, I, so that was a building of a market that our customers <coughs> asked for. Yeah. That's part of it. Because yeah. at one point you had had a section of just foliages that you called the salad bar, right? Right. Yeah, we still call it. We the still bar. do. Yeah. It's yeah. Now we're just almost all salad bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And um, I can't not mention <clears throat> the lilacs because that is such a special crop for you. Yeah. And um, well, one of the themes on this farm. Oh, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. No, I'm good. Okay. One of the, one of the, sorry. One of the themes on this farm is. Um, that we've been moving from annual crops to more woody and permanent crops. Horatious perennial, but even more just woody crops. And that's partly what happens in nature, right? If you have like a landslide or something, the first thing that colonizes is, of course, things like uh, shotweed or the annual weeds mm -hmm. and whatever's, and then in, the, in there sprouts some just, you know, kind of some deciduous things, and eventually you end up with a forest overstory. We're not quite long-lived enough for the forest overstory, but, but we're definitely in, in the woody deciduous track. <laughs> and the beauty of it is um, that it, it's really going along with the way we, like we're working with the land. Yeah. So we don't want to keep tilling. and It's like a permaculture almost. Right? Yeah, in a very lazy sort of way, yeah. And which is probably the whole idea of permaculture is least effort, right? I mean, it's like least, least damage, least effort kind of thing actually is like, let's just go with the flow here. It's brilliant. Yeah, so it's partly that the business has just <clears throat> evolved like that. Yeah. It's partly we wanted to take a, a little bit different track so that we, Everyone wasn't, wasn't growing the same things with other yeah. farmers, and it also we not leave room for new farmers to get. That's what market. I was just going to yeah. say is that that, that 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 by getting out of the annuals, it leaves room for the new growers to be able to to come in and bring in those crops and to and to learn what it takes. Because there's a low, lower barrier to entry with annuals. 
yeah. um, the same year. Uh-huh. <laughs> and also, yeah. if you need to lease land, if you don't own your land, you know, like there, there's a lot of, like, so moving out of that is is, um, is um, leaving room. Yeah. And also, truthfully, there as long as you can get find the market for it, there is um, better profit in a lot of those permanent crops if they like you and you like the land and your customers like them. So there's a lot of ifs in there. But, but <laughs> Got it. Okay. No, but I think, yes, you're growing art supplies, but you're also growing flower farmers because of the yeah. structure of mentorship and, can, and what a co-op is in, in yeah. general, right? Yeah. We're growing and, an industry. And we've done, we've done a, lot of inter- a lot of intern programs here, work here with... In fact, a number number of the member of the, our member growers at the market were interns at this farm. Or started work by working. Yeah, I was, started by working. I know for sure uh, that Caitlin, Caitlin from Diamond David was an yeah. intern. Doug. Not a, she was an apprentice here, probably right. Not no, a, she was. She a was a worker. Oh, okay. She she worked here a couple of years. Doug uh, <laughs> uh, did an intern here. Um, who else was here? So a lot of people have come here and gone other places too, and sort of. I mean, not everybody's part of the market. Like it's a big, it's a bigger picture than right. just the, the market too. I mean, it's like, I mean, we all have so much in common. It's like I feel excited by the idea. Oh, this is kind of a funny thing, but it was one of the things I thought about was um, my father was an immigrant, and my family suffered from the damage that the war war did to him, and that came to our family with trauma and you know things that we had to work harder to get past and. I was thinking how I would like to dedicate my life. Even then, I'd like to dedicate my life energy to setting the stage for people to live in peace. I mean, just because I lived, I tasted the other side of it, and I, and I was just in this weird-ass brain of mine. I mean, we're all different, right? I'm going, what, what could I do that would contribute to peace? And I'm thinking, give people a livelihood. That's a big piece of it. Give people a chance for a livelihood, or create chances for people to have an opportunity to have a livelihood. Like that idea i mean that's kind of deep but um, that is underneath that effort that went my effort that i put into the market was what if we could leave behind the chance for people to peacefully raise their families doing what they want to do not some stupid job they don't want to do because they have to you know what i mean yeah so anyway that's passionate but yeah well that's kind of a nice um sentiment to wrap up on with our sort of a, a look to the future and um at the same time, it is November 3rd, and and you told me you have not had a killing frost yet. So um, are you looking toward wrapping up the season? You just had your last big delivery to the growers market this week, you said, Dennis, right? So Yeah, we still have some, we still have a few crops that are still winding down coming oh. or that have that are just coming on. Like I like the Hancock Snowberry That's is, true. is is gonna be coming on. Our, uh, the uh, Red Flame Dogwood is going to be coming on. Um, I think those are probably the last two things. And yeah. then, but so, well, so we'll have stuff that goes on in through December. Okay. And then plus, plus the drides. We're doing wow. a lot more with drides too. But we're not working the same amount. Yeah. I was just going to So that. the transition is occurring. Yeah. And we, we used to call it frost mess. I mean, I our, our, our customers would be very sad about the frost, but really secretly, we farmers not so sad about the frost. It kind of, if it doesn't come too early. <laughs> You're so but, ready for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we don't have too many things that are affected that badly by the frost anymore because yeah. we don't grow a lot of the annual things. So, so you just kind of go into less, a yeah, less, less of an event, yeah. less frenzied, yeah. quiet yeah, season it's, with fewer it's crops. Now, yeah. yeah, we're just, we'll start to move but, into the putting things to bed and, and, and 
prunings and that kind of but thing. But if do we have time to segue for a second to yeah. something very important yes. for this farm that's just happened in the last year that I think yeah. is amazing. Yeah, tell we us. used to grow dahlias and it was, you know, any any farmer listening to this who grows dahlias understands what I'm saying. If you have a few thousand dahlia plants, you're not getting a lot of time off in the winter. You know, because they just keep coming, coming, coming. So we start, dropped that crop, dropped some of those really intensive crops, and we're still growing a good range of things, and we're still floating our boat. But what we got was two days a week off for the first time in probably, well, since 12 years at least. What, you mean like because you're not having this um, sort of needy flower crop like a right. dahlia? That you're, like, yeah. like a herd of cows we, that you have to yeah. milk twice a day. Yeah, so it's like we have we've achieved work-life balance for the first time, and, you know, I mean... Uh, anybody, any Whoa. farmer listening to this, go for the work-life balance. I'm telling you, it's a really good idea. It's just like, you know, so it's like now we can think about farming for another 10 or 15 more years because it's not going to, you know, it'll keep us young instead of killing us. Yeah. That's so brilliant. So, and I so mean, I, like us segwaying, it was right that we did dahlias when we are trying to get ourselves going. And you know, when you're trying to start something, you do have to overdo it because there's... No, you don't have enough resources. And somebody's got to do it and you got to give it this ultra, ultra big push. Mm -hmm. But I just, I just wanted I to say that, that it's, um, there, uh, we hit the green pasture on the other side. We're still well, we, hard working, we to, but we're we'll not. We'll get to have yeah. time to do our other just, creative yeah. interests. Right. And, and so I, I just think that's um, also a piece of that story is just that it isn't just insane forever. And you do want to work toward, I you have that. a life. I love that, uh, that you were aware enough that it was the dahlias that were just sort of out of scale with the life you wanted to have and you you made the transition just this year right yeah. really hard to kill your children yeah yeah wow i don't think it was that hard <laughs> well can i just say when i got here there was a beautiful bouquet of dahlias on the kitchen table and and you you were kind of saying oh these we, we didn't catch the, these ones well well basically we just had we just put it out to all the other growers say hey there's a whole field of dahlias out there. Come up and dig and take what you want. So we divvied up. So our dahlias are still at the market. They're just being. They're just got dispersed yeah. to everybody else. Yeah, ten or twelve farmers That's came in. Lovely. Done. So there was a few that they got. They got missed. Yeah. And those checkers. Are the, and those are, <laughs> the red and white one. Checkers. Checkers would Nobody never would. die for us. Now checkers. We put ground cloth down. We planted permanent tree plantings out there. Checkers is the only dahlia that pushed up the ground cloth and came back through. <laughs> other ones that came in a little bit it's sort of but, that you know uh the resilience of plants yeah. <laughs> of the plant like, world. darn you <laughs> okay but as long as they're gonna live they're not hurting anything else. no there. and you might even clip a few yeah yeah i love you guys thank you so much for this conversation and just for supporting everything i've done over the oh, years yeah. who would have thought when we did that yeah. book project I, well that, that was what that was 10 years well, 12 years ago mm -hmm. that we sat around the little yep. table having mm -hmm. a beer mm -hmm. and you had this crazy idea about slow flower thing. What yeah. was that? What that, was that about well, anyway? Slow flowers came after 50 Mile Bouquet, but still they was the idea it was, was in the, the same. It, it was, was in the same conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, um, no, when I wrote the books, I didn't have any vision of a, of a, of a, a, a community uh -huh. or a network. Uh, yeah. It all just emerged out of just opportunities, um, you know, that seeing a need and filling it, well, which is what you guys do. Well, so. you also had that really brilliant plant back, or you know, you had a plant writer's background, yeah. you had a horticultural background yeah. that informed you. Really. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, we should stop and say thank you back. <laughs> because these are that, yeah, in that way of community um, building, you have oh. been a huge piece of that for yeah. our industry also. So Thanks, it's been a know, privilege. Yeah. 
I like to say I'm, I always like to say I'm an embedded journalist in this community. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was a different kind of, it was a different kind of landscape than going to war as a war journalist, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> there were ups and downs and, uh, and this has been fun. And, and I just, uh, I'm having so much fun with these retrospective interviews. So I knew I couldn't end the year without getting the oh, cool. two of you well, on yeah, the podcast. Thanks for having us be part of it. Thanks. Thank you both. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. The 50 Mile Bouquets documentary feature reporting and photography took readers into the personal stories of Slow Flowers practitioners. Its relevance today, 10 years after its publication, is more important than ever, considering issues around climate change, supply chain limitations, and equity in the marketplace. I'm so grateful to Diane and Dennis for their support and friendship over the past 12 years since we met. You'll want to visit slowflowerspodcast.com to watch the replay video of today's conversation. Check out episode 585. We'll also post a gorgeous gallery of photos of Jello Mold Farm over the years and the award-winning video of Jello Mold Farm's lilac crops, which I produced in 2021 with videographer Elena Earhart as part of a USDA grant program. You'll also find links to Jello Mold Farm's social places so you can follow along with Diane and Dennis as their story continues. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at longfield-gardens.com. And heads up, next week on December 1st, we will open the early bird registration for the 2023 Slow Flowers Summit. We are extending a $100 off discount to members of the Slow Flower Society and to the general public who pre-register for the summit through December 31st. You'll want to take advantage of this offer to lock in your registration and enjoy end-of-the-year savings. You'll be hearing much more about this wonderful event, our sixth Slow Flower Summit, June 26th to 27th, 2023, returning to the Seattle area where it all began in 2017. Check out the show notes for today's podcast at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 585 or click on over to slowflowersummit.com for all the details. That link is also in our Instagram profile at Slowflower Society. I can't wait to share the full program, speaker lineup, and special features with you. Our final sponsor thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. We're airing this episode on Wednesday, November 23rd, the day prior to American Thanksgiving. And I want to share my thanks with you and my gratitude for your ongoing support of this program. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 900,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it, too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, 
check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. We'd love you to join us as a member. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then. Music.